title for this week's Believe and Follow podcast. I'm your host, James Rattasi. Welcome. Jesus told the Samaritan woman at the well that God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In last week's podcast, we examined this statement found in the Gospel of John chapter 4 verse 24. We made the connection between the spirit and the mind. Your mind is key to your spiritual connection with God. The Apostle Paul instructed the church in Corinth to be united in the same mind and judgment. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He said this to them in the context of guiding the believers there towards spiritual maturity and unity in the truth. These concepts are all connected. God is one and he commands us to be one. Jesus said, do not judge by appearances, but make right judgment. That's John 7 verse 24. The following discussion starts off with just Jeremy and me, and then Tanya comes in. Any other questions, comments, or thoughts about spirit and truth, mind and judgment? Spirit, would another somewhat synonym be in some... It seems to have a lot of different meanings, but would one of them possibly be something like our core essence or something like that? But then what would your core essence be? What makes me me? Right. And what makes you you? I can't say spirit because that's just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. But but that's what 1 Corinthians 2 says, right? Because there is the spirit of Jeremy. There's the spirit of Jeremy, the spirit of James, the spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of a thing that we all have in common. We all have a spirit and we all have a mind. And the mind is connected with the spirit. See, what makes you, you? In a physical sense, according to the flesh, what makes you, you is your genetic makeup plus the sum total of all your experiences. I mean, you know about epigenetics, right? The genetic information that you pass on is affected by what happens in your life how the different genes get expressed. So your essence is, it's not a static thing like people believe for a while. You know, your genetic makeup is not a static thing. But that's just on the physical side. 
But it's interesting how the things that happen to you do affect your genet genetic makeup, just according to the flesh. What do all the things that happen to you also affect? I mean, I guess just by the way you phrased it, it sounds like you're going toward like your spiritual... Right. Who you are. And it also affects your mind, right? Okay. The mind is an interesting thing because the way the mind in, interacts with the body is not necessarily so straightforward sometimes. If you learn to play a musical instrument or you practice a certain sport, there's a certain amount of muscle memory. If you practice something over and over and over again, when you go to do the thing, you don't engage your whole mind to do the thing. It's almost like some of it becomes like automatic. So how your mind interacts with your body is not always exactly the same. But your, use your word, your essence has been affected by you, let's say, learning to play a musical instrument or working out for this sport or whatever. But like learning to play a musical instrument, or let's say learning some discipline like you learn calculus, that's more of an intellectual thing. If you learn a sport that's more physical and less intellectual, there's an intellectual component to it, right? Mm -hmm. Playing a musical instrument may be a little bit less physical and more intellectual, there's an intellectual component. Learning calculus is much less physical, and much, much, a much larger percentage of doing calculus is just straight intellectual. But all these things include thinking, right? You have to think. If you're going to decide to do something, you have to think. Even if it is, if you're hungry, oh, what am I going to go eat today? Am I going to go to McDonald's or am I going to go to Taco Bell? <laughs> what did you use to come up with that plan? You used your mind. Even if it is not much mind being used, well, I like Taco Bell better, so I'm going to Taco Bell. That's what you might say. Is that making any sense in what yeah, you... Um, yeah, I know the last couple of weeks, thinking about this, it's, it's coalescing, I guess, you know, an idea. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I'll eventually have a, you know, a firm enough grasp on what what it means as long as I just keep chugging keep, at it keep plugging away at it there's a supernatural component to the way God operates because God is supernatural and so God's spirit operates on a supernatural level it would not help us to and this is what some people do they think well this is a supernatural thing so it doesn't matter what I do or I think, but it does matter, right? Because God wants you to believe him and follow his instruction. The nation of Israel had to make these sacrifices. You sin, this is what you got to do. You got to make these sacrifices. But then the word says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So then how does the sacrificing of the bulls and goats have anything to do with taking away sin then? It's showing your, I guess, dedication to God that you're listening to what he's told you to do. Well, exactly. And it's a thinking thing. If you believe God and you're following his instructions, that has to do with your mind. It's the difference between if I have a headache and 
I take a couple of aspirin or, or some sort of anti-inflammatory, well, it doesn't matter what I think about the aspirin's ability to cure my headache. The aspirin has an ability to cure my headache by acting on my body in a certain way. There's an efficacy. It is possible for the aspirin to take away my headache as it's not possible for the blood and bulls and goats to take away sin because that had nothing to do, there's no physical connection. It's just like when we take the Lord's Supper. There's nothing that physically changes about us because we took the Lord's Supper. It's not the cure for anything or anything like that. But it does have effect on our spiritual life. The Apostle Paul, when he spoke to the guys in Corinth, was like, well, this is not the Lord's Supper because your thinking is not right about the Lord's Supper. So what makes the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper makes, it, makes the Lord's Supper work is your thinking when you're doing it. You could have two people in the church doing exactly the same thing, taking the Lord's Supper, but it's doing the job for one and not doing the job for the other because of what they're thinking. Whereas you could have two people sitting next to each other and they both take aspirin. Well, whether or not their headache gets cured, the aspirin has the capability of doing that, no matter what they're thinking. Spirit and truth, mind and judgment. What do you think of that whole connection thing? Why, why judgment? Why did you pick that? What does judgment mean? Judgment can mean a couple of things. Judgment can mean that you've come to a decision, that you've made a decision about something, but judgment can also be, in, in the case of um, what the Apostle Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, well, you, you must be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Well, what mind are they supposed to be united in? Christ. Exactly, we have the mind of Christ. The judgments that they make might be I'll give you an example from the book of 1 Corinthians. When they had that man who was uh, having sex with his father's wife, and the judgment they made there in the church was not to do anything about it. But the Apostle Paul said no. And it didn't seem like any of them there was saying it's okay that this person is doing it. They just didn't have a plan to do anything about it. They understood the teaching that this is not something that should be happening, but they also didn't understand their responsibility to do anything about it. They didn't dispute that this was sexual immorality, but their decision was to not do anything about it. And then the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 you've got to do something about this. You've got to tell this person to stop doing it, and if he doesn't want to stop doing it, you've got to withdraw from him. And then in 2 Corinthians, he says, well, now that the job is done, now you have to embrace him again. Don't be too harsh with the guy if he stops doing the thing. But that's a judgment. They understood the instruction well enough, but they were making a judgment not to do anything about it. Does that make sense? There are correct judgments that you can make and incorrect judgments that you can make. A lot of times people say, well, don't we have the option of doing what we want? Yeah, and there are lots of things that you do have the option. But there are judgments that should be in agreement with the truth. So another word would be decision? Yeah, exactly. And your decisions have to be 
true. Right? Your judgments have to be true. Well, see, I mentioned Zechariah 8, 16 on Wednesday. You want to read Zechariah 8, 16? Sure. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another, render in your gates judgments that are true, and make for peace. So render judgments that are true. What we're looking for in reference to, because you know we're talking about the church, is in agreement with, is true according to the mind of Christ. So what if you rendered judgments that are true but didn't make the peace? But those two things go together. If you're all united in the same mind, which is the mind of Christ, and you're rendering judgments that are true, you're going to have peace. Why did they have divisions in the church in Corinth? Because some of them were false. Right. Some of them were thinking the wrong things. You know, the Apostle Paul said, your thinking is according to the flesh and not the spirit. And I know this because there are divisions among you. I know this because you're going to law against each other, one another. Or I know this because... There are divisions in the world. You're not waiting for each other. The, the rich people are shaming the poor people by not being careful to include them. Those were all symptoms of the fact that their thinking was not yet mature, was not yet complete. They've been told the gospel. So they've, they've all, they're all in the church. They've all been baptized. They've all decided to follow in the teachings of Jesus Christ. But their thinking still needs work. Does that answer your question? It's kind of a this goes with that thing. But it's an either or thing. So I wrote down John 8, 44, and this is where Jesus is arguing with the Jews that don't want to believe in him, and he says, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, lying is connected with Satan. What did Satan do? Satan wanted to change people's minds about what they need to do. And why is he saying that to the Jews at that time? Because they were... Not accepting Jesus. Right, not accepting him. They were opposing him. Right, exactly. What's a good way to get Tanya up to speed with where we are? Uh, <laughs> the, the new title, the, the follow-up one he's working on is Spirit and Truth, and then Mind and Judgment. And I asked him, you know, why he picked the... Specifically, the judgment, but I said it was First Corinthians one ten, uh, where it says we have to, we should have be united in the same mind in judgment. Mm -hmm. So, kind of, we were just discussing parts of that, I guess. Um, like, it went to Zechariah, I think, yeah. and talked about how, in I think, in the city there, they they should come up with you know, judgments that are true and. Uh, that create peace and yeah after that we didn't go to too much more I think John 8 is where we ended right but I mean so when 
we're baptized. We're mm-hmm. told that, that we're supposed to repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. meaning that we receive the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to receive the Holy Spirit? Um, when I think about the Holy Spirit being in me, um, I think of it in terms of um, like God's Word being in me in a way. Okay. Because um, God's Word was revealed through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think as we put God's word into us, then that in essence the Holy Spirit resides in us as well. I don't. I've never had like a really firm, firm understanding on that whole indwelling of the Holy Spirit thing. I I definitely think that it doesn't mean like that our actions are any less our own or controlled, like when people talk about being guided by the Holy Spirit, right. I think it's God's Word that guides us, mm-hmm. and that we're guided in that sense, and that if we don't study God's Word, if we don't put God's Word into us, then we don't have the Holy Spirit in us to guide us, like we, our consciences are framed by it, um, that kind of thing, so I feel like that's, that's more or less the operation that I kind of, um, have sort of like and am sure of, but at least I know that the Holy Spirit operates in that way. Right, right, right. Um, beyond that, I I don't know that there's evidence for me to say that He operates in in ways beyond that. Maybe because I've I've never personally experienced it, and because and I and also because you know I feel like. Um, that some of the examples in the New Testament are also from when miracles and things like that are being performed and since we don't have those today either, like I'm not sure beyond just um, the Word and God's Word as the Spirit's revelation, um, I'm, I'm not sure beyond that how operable he is in right. a way. What supernatural um, things are going on yeah. You, know, you have no idea. Because yeah, I'm not. I'm just not sure. Be disinclined to say. Well, which yeah. is good. Which is good. Um, in terms of, I I don't know that. Um, I've heard that two different put two different ways with the whole. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, where, I, the gift is. Where the gift is the Holy Spirit, versus where the gift, is. The Holy Spirit's gift to right. you. Right, the gift um, that the Holy Spirit has for you. I know what you mean because from that verse by itself, you don't know if it means is the gift the Holy Spirit or is the gift that the Holy Spirit has for you. Yeah. Right? Right. Um. The other thought of that might actually be true because is the gift the Holy Spirit or is it the gift of the Holy Spirit? Both answers might be correct. Mm-hmm. If someone asks that question, the traditional thing is to go to Acts 5.32, which says, And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. But when you look at that verse, when you look at it in that sense, you know, if the Holy Spirit is being referred to as a witness, and so is this witness, right. 
who God has given to, to those that obey him. I mean, I isn't that talking about... I mean, I haven't read the con... I, Right, grammatically, we're just thinking that. But it seems, but it seems to me like that in that sense that God is giving them the Holy Spirit as a witness, which might be through the power to demonstrate that God's word is true. That's a good. That's a good point. That's what it sounds like. That's a good point, and I never even thought of that. But you're right. Grammatically, you're right. He's given the Holy Spirit as a witness, which might be referring to then those miraculous deeds because that's what the Holy Spirit was meant for at that time. Alright, then just going back to Acts chapter 2, right, the gift might be the Holy Spirit or it might be the gift that the Holy Spirit has given us which is what? Um, salvation? Yeah, okay. I mean, God's, I mean, I feel like so, like, you know, in the Bible, Jesus also referred to when he was talking to the apostles as the Holy Ghost being like the comfort one who come and comfort them. Comfort them. And um, when he said that also, what did he say? That he would remind them. Yeah, of the things that he had said. Right. Um, and I mean, and I feel like these are things that we also get from the revelation of the whole, like, the, that right. was through the Holy Spirit. I feel like these are also things that we all, that we as Christians get through, from God's Word. So I feel like when I think of the Holy Spirit, um, I think of putting God's word in me so that it can do the things that the Holy What does it mean then when you say, we have the Holy Spirit by God's word or putting God's word in me? What does that mean? Well, I think that we have to do personal study to get God's mm-hmm. word in our hearts mm-hmm. and to learn about him. And and then if those if those things are in our minds, then they'll, then they will guide us to, and comfort us. Right. And help us to remember, you know, the things that we're, we have to be putting the Word in us for the Holy Spirit to do those things. So when we say the Word is in us, it means we have studied it and we understand we it. it. Yeah. So it's going to affect our... It will affect our conduct. Our conduct, right. It will affect, affect our conduct because it has affected our... What is it? What does that have to affect first before it affects our conduct? It affects our minds, our, our hearts. Right, our minds, our hearts, our thinking. And this is the point that I've been trying to make the connection. So the spirit is connected with the mind. Correct statement, or does it cause you to? When you fall? say, well, um, I don't think that that it's an incorrect statement, but I also don't think it's like a like a like a mental voodoo charm either. It's no, not no, no, like no, the right. Holy Spirit's going to be like, I'm going to make your mind right so that you're going to obey God. Right, no, And he's no. got, like, his magic fingers that are just going to, like, mold your brain wrinkles. It's not like that. No. Um, so, I mean, I don't have a problem with that statement that the Spirit is linked with thinking. Um, I, I guess I think of it more like, um, I have a, I have a tendency to, to lump mind, spirit, heart, con- like... So, like, those things that aren't physical but are still essential to us as humans um, and, like, describe, like, will or conviction or belief, like, those things, they get, they have blurry edges. Right, they go and mush together. So, when the Apostle Paul makes a statement like, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. 
So you have the thoughts, the mind of the person, and the spirit being connected with that. In other words, the spirit knows your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Your spirit knows your thoughts. So you have a spirit like Tanya's spirit knows Tanya's thoughts. And mm -hmm. God's spirit knows God's thoughts. Yeah, the King James just says things. It doesn't say thoughts. Interesting. For who knows... For what? You're talking about verse 11? Verse 11, yeah. Go read verse 11 in the so King James. So verse 11 in the King James reads, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. And then verse 16, he says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Yeah, now that reads the same, basically. So they have the Holy Spirit. They have the mind of Christ. Okay. For what in your verse in your verses following in the following verses does it use does it continue to use thoughts or does it switch to things? I'm just curious. Yeah. In like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Things. What do you have? Understand the things freely. Yeah, like just all the way through, like. So, like, even in verse 12, now, like, the King James reads, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Those things. It yeah. doesn't say thoughts there. And then 13, 14. I don't know. Um, I was just curious if it stays thoughts or if it switches to things. Okay, so, in the ESV, it's thoughts, but then in the interlinear... So this word, and it's really a very short word, it's whole. Oh. In all their affections, it's, and that's a definite article. Though. Yeah, ha? Huh? Yeah, H-O. And it says this, that, these, etc. are only significant renderings other than the counted. And they say which the thing, and then, then it's the things, and then the sun. But then what does it mean, though? So who knows the things of a man except the spirit? What would those things be then? That's I've always what... thought that in that sense, when I when I read that verse, that it would just, like, things was just referring to, like, the contents of that person, either their, like, the contents of that person or their essence, like, at maybe their thoughts... Uh, like their mind or being or like their whatever um, in the same way that like it, later it's talking about the things the things of God um, just like his whole essence almost like his his godness the, like who knows the what makes you who you are except for your spirit who knows what makes God what is it it's almost like to me, that word things there has always meant like the form of or like the matter of, the essence of, the 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 manness of right. God, Godness so of God. Bigger than their mind necessarily. So you think of it as something bigger than the mind, mm -hmm. but the mind is included in it. I do. Mm -hmm. okay. when I, yeah. Because what the Holy Spirit has done in communicating God to us is mainly communicating a bunch of these thoughts in the form of the words that we have that describe these stories, tell us about Jesus, whatever. Jesus is the word. 
But when you say the word being in you, it means, like you were saying, you understand it and it's affected your thinking. It's affected your thinking and consequentially it will affect your action, your yes. behavior. Right, exactly. Because so that's what the whole believing and following thing is about. You believe and then therefore you follow. So the thinking, the actions follow, you know, faith without works is dead. So the actions that come from your belief, and but that's what God's looking for. Your actions don't come from belief, and that's not what God's looking for. And it's gonna affect like your feelings, your like your emotions too, I think, in some cases. I mean in certain situations, like your perspective, it affects more I mean, it definitely affects your thinking, and I think all of those things are included in, in thinking, but it's not just like your rational thinking. It's like more than that. It's just going to affect you as a whole person. Right. How does it affect you as a whole person? Well, um, I think that at the very basis of it, there's a desire to be more godlike, to be more like God and we have Christ's example to follow who was God mm -hmm. um, and that and it should draw us closer to God in through through desire to to, in, to be to be more like him to be like him to have the his to have his thoughts become our thoughts so we can think like him so right. that we can do the things that he expects us to do. So what do you think about this title that I came up with, which is Spirit and Truth, Mind and Judgment. John 4, 24 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now what do you think about that? When he says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What's he saying there when he says in spirit and in truth? Well, I've heard this traditionally explained um, a certain way, and I don't really think that I have a problem with the traditional explanation of it um, that I have heard, in that the spirit part refers to us in terms of maybe our um, will and desire, like our will and our like emotional response and then truth being the fulfillment of command. So we have to like worship God with our hearts, like it's something that we desire, not something that we're going through the motions, something that we um, are doing with, with conviction and with um, in, in earnest. Um, but then also in truth being the way that the the way that God has commanded us to do it, um, the the way that would be um, correct truth in that sense. Um, so like obviously, if your heart, if you have intentions and your heart is right and you want to worship God, but you're worshiping Him in a way that's untruthful or a way that He hasn't asked for, it's not going to be acceptable. Or if you're like the Pharisees and you may be oh. Maybe not even necessarily like the Pharisees because they went off the boat. But um, even if you're doing, if you're doing just doing what God says, and your only desire is just to get it over with, or like for so other people can see you do it, or so that you aren't gonna get in trouble by your parents, or whatever reason, 
motivation that you might have to do it that has nothing to do with actually worshiping God, then it's not going to be acceptable. Um, I feel like that's the way it's traditionally been explained to me, and that makes sense to me. Um, so I think I kind of just take that, that take that at face right. value. What do you think of that, Jeremy? I mean, make, does that work better with you than what I've been saying about it? That's kind of one of the the ideas that I read on it, like um, that. You know, spirit is kind of like your heart, like a you're fully wanting inside yourself to, I guess, know God and to worship Him, and then the truth being like more of the mental part, mental side of you, who you are. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, knowing the, the true God, knowing that you're worshipping Him as He is, not as you want Him to be, that kind of idea. So, you and her are closer together than what I've been saying. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm either one, but I'm no, saying yeah, I'm, I'm, saying, I yeah. I'm heard, you know, read both of the I understand both of them, and I, and I, you know, trying to mix them together because I think they're both correct. See, the way I always took it, just let let Tony in. Mm-hmm. And so, those who worship him must worship in. And you realize this word, pneuma, mm-hmm. which just means breath, breath we, right? And we get like pneumatics from it and things mm-hmm. like that. But it's always the same whether it refers to. When the Apostle Paul says, "No one knows the spirit of a man except you know, no one knows the things of a man except the spirit that's in him." And no one knows that. It's it's the same word whether or not it's referring to man's spirit or God's spirit or spirit in some other sense. Quite often, the writer might, by context, figure out what spirit he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I always thought though that must worship in, and I would think maybe in the spirit. What I'm thinking, though, that when he says spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, worship in, in other words, in God's thinking, in God's spirit, and in truth. In God's, in God's spirit, in, but not in, like, you're not, not in the, like, freaky possession of the spirit. No, 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 you know, yeah, you know I don't go there. I know you yeah. don't go there, but I think it's worth saying for all the people who listen to the podcast yeah, who yeah, may yeah. not know that you don't go there, right. not in, so... When, so, but in that sense, your spirit would be like my understanding of truth, yeah, because so it would be yeah, right, right. the it, it, in the spirit in the sense that God, in God's mindset, the way that God ha- d- decrees would be like kind of like what my understanding of the truth part is. So, what's your understanding of the truth part, this, or are you saying they're basically the uh, spirit and spirit truth? Are and like, truth. And this is why spirit and truth and mind and judgment, what kind of judgments are we supposed to make? We're supposed to be making true judgments. And we have the mind of Christ. So the Holy Spirit is the mind of Christ. So we're supposed to be worshiping according to the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. And in truth, in that our judgments in relation to that are true. In other words, the operation of our minds being in the spirit is resulting in correct judgments concerning what we should be doing. I don't think that's 
that different than what I No, it's, it's actually very, very It's a close. very tiny so nuance. So we're, we're kind of like, more like understanding more or less the same the, thing. Yeah, I think the I only... just get there a little differently. The only... I guess the only difference is that when you say... When your, your understanding of spirit is in some ways both more comprehensive and less comprehensive than what I'm saying. Right. Because in your... When your mind of Christ, mind of the Spirit, like that, in, that more or less includes like God's will. But I feel like God's will also includes like our desire, like mm-hmm. because God want because Jesus like they they are united in will and that's what they want to do. Um, so that would include like the part that I was saying, like the. Um, the willing, like the desire and the conviction, um, but maybe your idea of, of spirit is—I don't know. I guess when you say it, when you say it the way that you're saying it, it almost feels like even though it would include that, because if you have the mind of Christ, then you have the desire to obey God. But I feel like somehow when you say it that way, it—it it almost feels like it's leaving that desire part out in a way. Leaving the you part the, of it Leaving out. the me part of it out. Like that. Um, that. Um, so I guess in some ways it's not that different, but it's maybe a little, It's a. I guess it's just a little more. Uh, a little bit less us emphasizing. Uh, yeah, more it's a little more God-centered God than. But it certainly doesn't exclude that. But it doesn't exclude that. Right. And it, no, and it doesn't, and it also... Do you think Jesus leaves it in this ambiguous state on purpose? Because it does seem like the statement itself is a little bit ambiguous. And because I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm saying, yeah, I, I get that, and that, that could very well be true. And you're listening to what I'm saying and saying, yeah, I get that, and that could very well be true. No, I don't think that there's anywhere in the Bible that that indicates through even, through any of the other scriptures that either understanding is necessarily correct. Exactly. Correct. I mean, I think it's one of those um, mysteries. Yeah, is the ambiguousness on purpose? I think everything about the Bible is intentional. Right. If God had wanted it a different way, would have made it a different way. I don't think it's possible to write something by accident. Okay. As a writer. But it does say that God, he hides things, you know, on purpose Mm -hmm. in the Bible. So, I mean, it might be that, you know, it's in there if you actually really take the time to figure it out. And we just aren't that good. Don't have to put in that effort. Yeah, our understanding is not mature enough. That's a good point. So maybe, like, we all together, all the three of us, don't completely understand what it says. And we will at some point. Speaking to your concerns about somebody thinking that what we're talking about is, you know, the Holy Spirit grabbing hold of your will and and or, causing or you your, to do or things. Or your mental faculties. Or your mental faculties. Or... The example that I was going to mention last Sunday, and then Jeremy mentioned it last Wednesday, was in 1 Corinthians 14. When the Apostle Paul talks about someone speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. when he says about... If I'm praying in a tongue, my mind is not engaged. Right. 
we were talking about how the spirit and the mind are connected, but this is a moment where the spirit and the mind are somewhat disconnected. In verse 14, right? In 1 Corinthians 14. And the idea is he, he's trying to correct some of their abuses of these miraculous gifts of the spirit that they're being given. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What Mine says, for, I, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my, but my understanding is unfruitful. Right. I think the question that I would ask is, the understanding is unfruitful to whom? Right, to him at the because if he doesn't understand... It, well, I don't he, think it's saying that. No, really? I don't think that it's saying that <laughs> he doesn't understand what he's saying. Because earlier in this for earlier in this chapter, when it's talking about speaking in unknown tongues, in verse 4 it says, He that speaketh in an un unknown tongue edifieth himself. I don't think that in that verse that it means that we wouldn't, under if we were praying in an unknown tongue, that we wouldn't understand what we're saying. It... But, it, but even if we did understand what we were saying, would it be fruitful to anyone else? And the answer to that question would be no. No. Yeah, so, my under, so my understanding, not in the sense that you don't have understanding, my understanding is unfruitful as in there being no understanding, but the understanding that you have is unfruitful to it's everyone the people else. Yeah. To, to the people who are hearing. That's, that's my understanding of that verse. It's not not understanding. Does that make sense? Actually, it does make sense, and that works, too. And actually, that wasn't the main point of me bringing this up, because, like, in the verse before, it says, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Yeah. Well, and so. then if you look in verse 16, Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? It doesn't indicate that you don't know that you're giving thanks or that you're giving a blessing just because you're praying in the spirit or right. with an unknown tongue. Does that make sense? The place where I was actually going to is where he says that the spirits of the prophets are in control of the prophets. He's trying to have them practice their miraculous spiritual gifts decently and in order. Mm -hmm. So if someone's prophesying, the others should sit down. And if a tongue comes to you and there's no one there to interpret, then you should keep it to yourself. You should not speak it. The point is, the spirit's not taking control of the person. When the tongue comes, he's not compelled to just get up and start blurting it out. Because right. he's, right, he's still in control, but he can speak it or not speak it. So mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is delivering something to him, but he mm -hmm. still has control over it. And this is, this is to speak to your point about you know, the Holy Spirit grabbing hold of your will. The Holy Spirit gives things to you, and you have the option of following it or not following it. So a number of worm cans were opened up in the course of this discussion, and so we went on for quite a bit longer discussing with even more detail some of the issues raised in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Perhaps I will include these in a later podcast. But this clearly illustrates the necessity of having these sort of discussions if we are going to have any chance at all of being united in the same mind and judgment. This takes work and commitment, but first we must all agree that this is what scripture is teaching us. Every local church that I have been a member of in the past has pretty much given up on this part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This has become so integral in the tradition of so many churches that much of the membership is not even aware that this teaching even exists. This is why so often when I have brought this up, there has been such a strong pushback. We are not worshiping in spirit and truth if we are not of the same mind and judgment. Let's all set our minds on accomplishing this and fulfilling our responsibility toward one another in the sight of God. Special thanks to Tanya and Jeremy for their contribution to this week's podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions, please email me at james at believeandfollow.org. That's all for now. Goodbye and God bless. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold.